You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome back to Fly on the Call, Canon conversations on music. I'm here this week with Have a Good Season. They released their debut LP, Shapes I've Never Seen, back in May. Their down-tempo alt-rock sound wouldn't be out of place with bands like Turnover or Tiger's Jaw, and the tightness of the sound writing is a clear result of the years these musicians have been playing together. Before we hop into the interview, I just wanted to say that the one-year anniversary and episode 50 of Fly on the Call are quickly approaching. I'm still having a ton of fun with this, and I'm so thankful for the support the show has received since it started. Here's the big tease. Ahead of those two milestones is some big news coming this Friday, August 28th. Be sure to hit that follow button on Twitter and Instagram at FindTheCallPod so you can be the first to hear it. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Have a Good Season. up about the band i know you know you've, you've all three have been playing in bands together for like a long time um and then it kind of became have a good season once it kind of like really stuck that like you stuck into your positions and you know that, that the music was actually sticking as well like can you tell me a little bit more about that kind of you know the start of the band yeah like you said you know we've been in different bands and stuff um i i specifically remember the day that like i got like i had like a little like practice drum kit in my basement um that my dad had bought and like i literally remember the day like sakamoto came over and we're like let's jam and like i had never heard him play drums and he was just like ripping on the drums and i'm like this is crazy we're starting band like right now so <laughs> that's like the in my head that's like the origin story like i literally remember that day so no that's crazy that you that's i mean that's 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 basically the answer um however i i will say having a season didn't uh right off the bat form from then uh that was the um we've mentioned that we've had a bunch of lineup changes uh, until before have a good season so i'm typically i started on guitar i'm primarily a guitarist um uh i don't know nick are you primarily a guitarist you actually started on bass yeah i mean i i would say i'm a i'm a guitar player now but yeah i actually started on bass uh, gotcha gotcha yeah relatively like lent me a bass and like that's how it started but Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in, in short, like everyone, all three of us were not initially playing the instruments we play and have a good season now when we were doing bands that kind of just fizzled out, you know, as when we were young. So yeah, that was kind of the first origin um, of me hopping on drums and it kind of working. And then Nick, uh, he was playing bass in a pre-existing band before, and then he wanted to do rhythm guitar, guitar and sing. And then Stat eventually later down the line came into the equation. And he actually, um, he switches from bass to guitar. And then he landed 
in on a base for have a good season. And that that's how we, yeah, that's the official uh, lineup for have a good season. Mm-hmm. I think Have a Good Season is also the first of all those bands to be a three-piece, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, that is, yeah, that is true, yeah. We've always had, like, two, like, I mean, it's pretty, like, a typical lineup for, like, two guitarists. You have one lead guitar player and one rhythm guitar player, or two lead, I don't know, you can do whatever you want. But, um, yeah, you, that's exactly right, which is kind of interesting. I think it's very indicative of, like, how we... uh go go forward with just being a three-piece yeah and how how did that kind of like affect the the music that you would, were starting to write then uh we did a lot of cover like we did a, we were basically almost a cover band when we first started not even started we were just when we were jamming we did just a bunch of covers yeah um even even in our bands prior to the hags like we were mostly doing covers and like this is probably the first band where we made it a goal to like write our own music. Like we had a few originals here and there with our prior projects, but with this one, it was like, I think from the start, we were all motivated to, to write our own music. Yeah. I mean, like going into shapes I've never seen, like as a debut full length, you, um, you were kind of had experienced a lot more than a lot of bands have, you know, given the fact that you had like those two EPs and then, you know, a little hiatus even due to school and stuff. Um, what was kind of like the thought process uh, coming back and then also going into the album? Um, that's, that's interesting because um, we weren't really, I, I, I'd say we weren't actively kind of, you know, we were pretty young at the time. Um, um, like I, uh, so all of us and me specifically being the youngest was transitioning from high school to, you know, freshman year in college and all that stuff. I personally wasn't actively thinking about like, Oh, and three months from now, we got to release a single. Three months from now, we got to release the second single. You know what I mean? We weren't really on a regimented like schedule, um, which you know could benefit us or not benefit us. But we were young, so we didn't we didn't know any better, right? Um, but yeah, um, going into that, we had to take care of our you know personal priorities. And then whenever I'd come back from college for breaks or whatnot, we would just write. And shapes I've never seen, in my opinion, like kind of in a way wrote itself uh we didn't actively have like writing sessions like a lot of bands do um and what we've kind of been doing now actually because we've now that we've honed in like that kind of process we've been getting kind of good at it and getting more comfortable with it and it's been really effective but at the time when we wrote shapes on scene, all that music kind of just like we just i don't know i i think we were in a really good creative mood and we just popped out those songs so yeah, yeah. That's my thoughts. It's yeah, it's almost like we didn't have a goal to like, all right, we gotta get all these songs together so we can put our debut full length out. Like like some of the songs on the or I guess like a few of the songs on the album are like really old, like two or three years old, I'd say. Like we were playing them live and stuff. Um but yeah, like maybe towards the end of like like maybe we had like eight or nine songs or whatever and we were like, Oh, we need like one or two more to do a full length album. So maybe towards the end we kinda had that mindset, but like yeah, I don't think we had like this like 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 idea like all right, we need to get all these songs together for an album. We were kind of just like, you know, writing songs as we were going along and like like Dan said, like we did have like a stride at one point where we were like banging out a bunch of ideas. Um yeah. And then like you know, it was enough to put an album together. <laughs> I you know what I mean? Yeah, it's funny that you say that you kind of like didn't have a plan going into it. I've I've seen you talk a lot about 
um, your relationship with like Beehive Collective and how they've kind of really helped you kind of like strive to reach another level and kind of see, you know, think more about like those business sides of things. Um, can you tell me more about that relationship? Um, absolutely. Shout out to Beehive Collective. Um, for those who don't know, uh, so they're run by Dana Gorab and Max Valley, both really good pals of ours, but they do great work on the shore side and just NJ in general. Um, I guess to, to that point, um, I'm, I'm, st- I'm currently studying, finishing out my degree, um, studying, uh, music business, um, along with music production, uh, kind of just tackling a little, a little bit of everything. Um, uh, and I'm really interested in that sort of stuff. So it's, it's kind of been a natural fit for, I've been handling and spearheading a bit more of the business side of things. And I've, you know, just from not even just being friends with Dana and Max, but just working and booking with them and just like seeing how they work and, and what kind of work they do. It's been really like teaching me like what to do and what not to do and all that stuff. Uh, they've, they've helped me, uh, helped us do um, more, most recently um, the vinyl that we have coming out for the new album. They helped us with that. Um, they've helped us, uh, Dana specifically does a lot of the tour stuff, like out of state stuff, uh, shows she's literally, I'm pretty sure she's booked on like basically all the, the out of state tours that we've done. Um, Max kind of handles more day to day. Uh, like he's done more local shows just in NJ and he's, he's booked us for a bunch of those too. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's crazy because, like, you know, they, you know, they run their business uh, how they how they will and how they want. But like, they're good friends of ours, and like, they've really just helped us, you know, kind of grow, you know, as people and as you know, have a good season. Uh, yeah, I, that's all. That's all I got to say. It's been pretty smooth in that sense. For sure. And I mean, you mentioned you know going to school for like production and music industry. Um, is is this something you're like thinking of the band more as like a long term thing now? Uh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. In that sense, um, you know, again, um, you know, no one really knows what they're going to be doing, like, you know, like twenty years from now, twenty five. Like, I'm not really in that mindset per se. But yeah, I mean, for sure, like, like I've said, I've taken more of a, a business managerial type role. Um, all, all three of us, since we're just a three piece and we don't really have a like a you know big management team, uh, we've all kind of find finding our places, um, what we're good at, and. For example, like, you know, Nick is an artist and his art has been our single artwork, our album artwork, all that stuff. That's all, you know, Nick's been spearheading um, real fantastically. Um, it's you. been great. I got you, dude. Uh, it's been great. It's been great. But that, I mean, that's the kind of thing we got to do without the help of like, we don't have a social media manager. We don't have, you know what I mean? All that. We don't, we don't really have a booking agent. Uh, but I will say that like we do a lot of that in-house and obviously Beehive has helped us with stuff. Also Choke Artist, shout out to them for another uh, being another sick um, music collective out of New Jersey. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to put it short, yeah, of course. I'm definitely, I'm definitely thinking I, I'm in and how I can semi, semi-manage. You know, we all kind of manage ourselves. So. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, the way you're talking about the New Jersey scene, it sounds like it's, you know, a very close-knit thing. And um, I feel like, you know, I feel like genre in a lot of ways has been breaking down and Jersey seems like one where a lot of it is skewing towards, you know, the the very open realm of alt rock. Um, I'm curious, like, what is it kind of about that scene that you think, you know, allows you to have that kind of sound that you have? Hmm. Um, 
I don't know, maybe like just having nice weather in the summer and being <laughs> able to be by the beach and hang out at bars and stuff like creates like this community kind of atmosphere. And like, yeah, I, I guess that that's, you see your other friends like writing songs and stuff like that. And just like any other music scene, you know, I, I'm not sure if there's a reason why it's like alt rock is like <laughs> the, the, the thing. Cause I know some towns it's like punk, some it's hip hop. You know what I mean? For sure. I don't know. For us, it's just kind of a, yeah, actually, I don't know if I have an answer for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, that's a really yeah. great question. Um, I, I don't think there is an answer per se, especially like the correlation between why alt rock, alt rock might might be a little bit more prevalent in our scene. Uh, but you know, all that's great. Like, definitely the community aspect and the friends. And I mean, yeah, I, I definitely, I like Jersey because you know we or the the East Coast we can experience all the seasons and it's very vibey for sure. Um, but like genre wise, I think it's interesting because, um, a lot of that I feel, um, is very indicative of like, uh, who's around us and who we're listening to. And even though we all listen to different music from bands, you know, not even in the country or whatever, I don't know. We're still very surrounded by all these bands that are coming from Pennsylvania and Virginia and, and New York and Brooklyn and very close to the, close to where we live. And that kind of stuff like sticks and I don't know, like I, I could me personally. Um, that's kind of how I've been writing. Like I, I'm a, I'm a big metalhead, and you know, we all listen to different types of music, but like, and while a lot of that does shine through sometimes very subtly, um, I don't know. I really write in the same, I, I just gravitate towards the sounds that I like to hear and that I've been, I'm very familiar with. So, um, and this is, I'm not, I'm not, uh, these aren't direct like influences, but these are obviously bands that we love and hold close to our hearts. So like Title Flight and, and uh, Oso Oso and, you know, Microwave and all, you know, all those type of bands um, definitely have a pretty, and you know, they're not, they're not vast genres. They all kind of hone in on the, you know, rock to emo, indeed alt rock kind of outfit. So I, I don't know. I think there's some sort of correlation there. Other than that, I mean, I don't think there's. It could be the 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 venues around us too are often attract like rock, alt rock, indie rock, punk bands. You know what I mean? Like, um, just like for us, like Asbury Lanes, like growing up, like oh, yeah. most of the bands that played there that we saw were in that genre. So could have something to do with that, you know. And then you see those bands, and then you want to start a band like them, and then it's a just a cycle. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I mean, you mentioned a couple times like the the weather and, you know, like especially in the summer being, you know, obviously associated with happiness. And I feel like that really those kind of vibes come through on a song like Sunflower Yellow or like Shoulder Blades. And um, I think Shoulder Blades is one that I saw somewhere you mentioned that that was kind of the lyrics were more written based on the feel of the music itself. Um, is that something that's like typical for you? Like kind of starting with the music and then extrapolating it into lyrics based on the, the moods? Um, I think so. Yeah. I, I almost always do lyrics last, I would say. Um, in the case of shoulder blades, like that was a song that uh, Dan wrote completely all on guitar and he was like showing it to us. And then just, I was like almost an outsider at that point because he was just like, hey, check out this song that I wrote. And I, in my head, I immediately started hearing like love songs, summer vibe kind of thing. So 
so yeah that was that was a song where the lyrics uh were a direct result of the the vibe of the the the, the music yeah other songs like i'll just be like playing and then i'll just um i don't know maybe just like improvise a lyric and it'll stick and then i'll write based on that word or that sentence um but yeah shoulder blades was a special case where lyrics were just like whoa this is what it has to be about you know what i mean <laughs> for sure and i mean i also saw somewhere you know you hadn't mentioning that one of the the things that you're really excited about with the album was um you know the ability for people to hear it and then you know kind of put their own spin on it on how they interpret the songs um I'm curious, has there been any like particular song that's kind of like stood out in that way that people seem to be gravitating towards? Hmm. Ooh. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know. Has it been? I'm not sure, actually. Um, I haven't had that many like long, uh, like face to face conversations about like dissecting lyrics and stuff. Um, I guess probably COVID has a lot to do with that because like we're not really seeing our friends and stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I can think of a specific song right I, now. I will say yeah. one. Um, well, yeah, I mean that's that's all true. Like I haven't really. There's a few handful of our you know personal friends that you know very supportive, but you know they also are very curious on like the deeper meanings behind songs and whatnot. Um, shout out to all the Lukes I know because I have a lot of Luke friends that are named Luke, and they all are very Nick. You know who I'm talking about. Um, but no, uh, I think Sunflower Yellow has been a song that like a lot of people you know, they might not have a full flush, like their own interpretation that they've told us, but I definitely know that they've, you know, have taken a liking towards it and have maybe a, some sort of like, like you said, like ex- extrapolated like the lyrics and, and put a different meaning into it. I think, I think people have uh, mentioned to me about, you don't know. Um, you don't know how heavy it felt. And I think it's because, you know, I think the content of the lyrics, um, uh, um, are like very, very not convenient, but like kind of easy to like put your own twist on it. Uh, I think it's like broad enough where like you could, you know, put your own meaning behind it, and also very kind of moody and emotional enough to 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 really make it stick. A lot of those lines, in my opinion, like you know, are definitely on the sadder side. And I think musically, it's a little bit more on the sadder side. It's a bit darker in tone. Um, so I feel like a lot of people during these, you know these like times have have attached to that song i know for a fact a few of my friends have reached out and said um that the song really meant a lot to me or um uh i think one of them said that it like made them cry or something something like that which is nuts to even think about that like a song that we wrote could could even do that um so yeah i mean that's that's just to name a few yeah i mean one that really stands out to me is comics um the way i read it is kind of you know about like a sort the way of you read escape. it, yeah, like a like a comic, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> like a sort of escapism or like finding you know comfort in other other worlds, um, which I think fits in well with you know how I view the band as well. You know, you kind of have this ethereal feel about you that kind of creates a, a specific mood when you're listening to it. Um, what can you tell me about the comics and how that one came together? Yeah, that that is like a pretty spot on, honestly. Like, it's just about yeah the feeling of yeah the, that escape that you get when you when you pick up a good book or a good comic book or whatever um and also wanting that to be real and like having to come to terms with the fact that like that's a separate thing and this is real life and you know navigating th- through through life and 
wishing things that were like the way that they are in, in books and stuff, but having to realize that they're not, you know, <laughs> I guess that's what, uh, that's about. That's all. That's new to me. Kind of. I didn't really, <laughs> um, or the, the deeper meaning. Nick, was that the last, um, I guess that's the last song we wrote for that. Mm-hmm. Album? I think like, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think it literally, it was one of those things where it, it is the last song on the album, but it was mm-hmm. also the last song that we actually wrote for it. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I really, I really like that. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the stuff I read tends to be um, less on the superhero kind of side and more on the underground, you know, independent comic stuff. So a lot of it is like it reflects real life, and mm-hmm. um, you know, there's weird scenarios that happen in these stories that wouldn't ever happen in real life, but they're almost a little more realistic than just like a Superman bursting through the door. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, for sure. There's something really relatable in those like underground comics that uh, I just really wanted to write about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are some of the ones that, that uh, kind of like inspired you? I like like Daniel Klaus. Um, uh, he did like ghost world and um, a few others. Uh, uh, what's the big, ah, he did one that I really loved uh, a velvet, like a velvet glove cast an iron really cool one and uh i like this guy adrian tomine he's a japanese american comic artist he does a lot of like stuff based on like relationships and um race and stuff like that so yeah those are some cool. few people that i like i also really like like r crumb like the 70s 60s like kind of psychedelic stuff but mm-hmm. i don't know if i relate to his stuff personally <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit uh weird and out there but but yeah those are some people that i dig for sure yeah i mean you mentioning um kind of liking ones that are kind of more rooted in reality um there's this duo um sean lewis and hayden sherman are the the author artist and they have they have two really great series that uh came out within within the last couple years through image (laughs) oh cool well what are they called uh one's called the few and I can't remember what the other one's called, but uh, they're they're both really good, and the uh, the art style is like one of my favorites for sure. <laughs> cool, cool. That's like a selling point for me is like the art style, which I think is like it's almost like an album cover. Like you see an album cover you like, and it's like, whoa, I want to listen to that album because you want to know what's like what what lies beneath yeah. that cover. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's not always the best way to go about like reading books or something in in my mind because like. Sometimes I like judge a book or judge a comic based on like the artwork and I, I don't read it or something. And then I'm probably missing out on like a really great story. So, um, you know, same thing with music. You know what I mean? Like if, it, if a cool album has a bad album cover, like you might not want to listen to it, but then you're missing out on this great music. I don't know. That's like a thing in my, in my head personally that I'm trying to like stop doing. yeah it's like like, (laughs) it's like it's okay if if it's a cool album cover and it gets you to listen to something but you got to try to push past the like oh it's a bad album cover so it must must be bad music totally totally yeah it's also it's also like who am i to say that an album cover is bad you know what i mean like it's very subjective you know yeah 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 i mean you mentioned microwave before i remember uh when much love came out a bunch of people were like 
oh, like it's such a corny artwork, but it was like oh, really? they like didn't get the joke, kind of. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> kind of just like flow with their heads. Yeah, um, yeah that's a good answer. <laughs> um, but I mean, I saw like the last week you announced, yeah, you're doing a, a drive-in show, and I'm I'm curious. You know, th- this will be up once that after that's over, but I'm curious what your kind of expectations are for that, and how you've kind of been like navigating that. I know you've done you know some of the live streaming stuff as well um we're i'm really stoked we haven't played a show in a while so it's very it's very nice to get back into it um just on a surface level but um to be more seriously um yeah i mean it's the first show since the album dropped so like i mean i want to you know like psych ourselves out whatnot but i i know like i like how it usually works like we release an album and you know we're gonna play a lot of the songs if not all almost all the songs off the album uh but yeah there's a certain expectation that like uh we want to you know make sure we play it um up to people's uh expectations and while we've always had because a lot of people ask us about like um you know the studio because we are just a three-piece so we're very mindful of what we can do in the studio and what we can do live and what we can do in a live stream just acoustically like we're always trying to just be flexible and um diverse um to be able to do all these different things so we don't do too crazy in the studio and then we can't replicate it live right but for the driving show um yeah we're we're looking forward to it uh we've been practicing and we feel good about it um we got some we do things a little bit differently here and there uh, while it's not going to be just a you know obviously a hundred percent recreation of the studio version uh we are we are going to um really really bring those songs to life because some of those songs we haven't played live ever so we're really looking forward to that. The live streams were, you know, something more like a filler. Um, you know, a lot of people are, you know, hopping on the live streams and whatnot. And it's great to keep music still accessible and, and, and somewhat live in a way. Um, so that's been great. But we've, yeah, we did the acoustic a few times and yeah, it was really nice. We did acoustic arrangements. Um, yeah, it's been nice. Yeah, Nick, would you? Well, I was just going to add on to that. And since all three of us play guitar, like it was cool to, yeah, like arrange the songs in a way that like we wouldn't be able to do um, if Dan was behind the drum kit. And you know what I mean? Like we we're all playing guitar and we could all figure out ways to, to make the songs uh, interesting for three guitars. And we're, and we're also like all like singing a little bit, like maybe not as much like like we will eventually, I think, yeah. you know, we're slow uh, acclimating to that. Yeah. Gonna build yeah. in all those harms. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Some Beach Boys type shit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I mean, like I said before, I feel like the the music kind of does a really good job at kind of like building an environment and um, kind of like keeping you there throughout the album. How do you kind of like go about building the sounds that end up making up the music? Um, that's a big question. <laughs> um, um. We're, I, I consider ourselves very fortunate that we're all pretty uh, decent, like multi-instrumentalists. Um, and we all have maybe a more stronger suit in other instruments and a stronger taste in other kind of ideas. Um, but we're all, we're all very like-minded like songwriters. Um, typically, like when we write songs, I can speak on, on my behalf of like the songs that I kind of spearheaded. Uh, songs like Shoulder Blades or, or Lemon Drop. Um, um, you know, I, I had a very rough idea. And then honestly, I showed, I sh- bring it to the table. And 
I mean, I, I, we really have, I've, we've been lucky that we've never had real, any real um, discrepancies or we've always just hopped on board and, and we twist our ideas and to make it even better or, uh, and Nick, you could add on to this if you want, but like, we just like, we, we always, I think almost all the ideas we come up with are always have 95 to 99% been started on the guitar. And then we kind of just blossom from there. At least that's that's definitely what the case was for uh, shapes I've never seen. Totally, yeah. A lot like sometimes I feel well. A lot of times actually, like I'll feel like I'll have like a riff or or one guitar part and like a little vocal melody, and like I'll be like, all right, this is cool, but I don't know how it's going to be like a full song. Like it's missing something, you know. And then I'll show it to them, and then you know, Sakamoto will be like, oh, it's got to have like a bridge right here with this like this chord or something. And it's like, holy shit, like that's the piece right there. That's like the missing. Now it's a song that I really like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we like all add on to, I don't know. It's just very, it's very natural. It's, it's fun. It's a fun writing process. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it really benefits. Like you said that you each are kind of proficient in each other's instruments. I'm sure that, you know, it takes a little bit of the weight off each other's shoulders for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, it's been great. I will I will add on because, um, well, like you said, uh, proficient and and each other's which is great because, um, yeah, and that's exactly the case. And it's real like I think it's really helpful because while I you know I I understand uh, somewhat uh, bass and sometimes I'll give stat um, some some pointers or whatnot. But the one thing I lack is literally stat and his mind and how he like creates these really sick bass lines i can give him pointers like um oh i think you might want to maybe maybe stick more to the root notes here but then in the course or in this section you can you know stray off the path and do do whatever right so that's more of like a song arrangement instrumentation kind of kind of note but like and and obviously he's been super uh, into that and supportive and whatnot but i i cannot we cannot function just one or the other. Like it's got to be all three of us all democratically together. Cause he just takes, I guess my ideas and my notes and makes it that much better and vice versa for like, um, you know, me on my drums and then Nick on his guitar and solos and vocals, vocal melodies and all that stuff. It's all the same. So it's been super, super natural in that. Stats baselines like really like drive the song in my mind. Like a lot of songs that like, like I said, like if I come up with a riff, but it's just like bland or something, or it needs something, then stats like, oh, like I got this baseline, and it's just like, damn, like now it's like that's what I was, that's what it needed. Yeah, little puzzle pieces that all get put together when we, when we jam in my basement. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I always kind of like to wrap up by asking for you know either something you've been thinking about lately that's kind of you know been on your mind or something like a piece of advice you know kind of whether it's about music or just life or you know whatever you kind of want to share. Hmm. Oh, that's a that's a deep question. I feel like <laughs> there's so it's much deeper. It's <laughs> deeper even now more so since there's so much going on. Over, over, yeah, yeah. Right now, um, I don't know. Nick, what you what you got? Oh, uh, what do I got? Um, keep reading books and keep um, learning, and keep telling people what you've learned. I think is super important. Yeah, you know, you keep you keep seeing online like people saying like um like we have to educate each other and stuff like that, and that's like so so true. And uh, yeah, I think reading is. I, I haven't. I think like during this like time of like quarantining and stuff, I've been reading and just like 
listening a lot more to what people have to say. And uh, yeah, I think that's important. So I want everyone to keep doing that and keep listening to music too. There's a lot of really good, um, just like ideas and and um, things being said in music. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's kind of a broad, generic thing to say. But you know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's true, man. It's 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 very true. You know, like it's. It, doesn't matter how generic or broad it is. Um, I mean, to add on to that, like, yeah, I mean, that that really super important to me is just spreading awareness and just, you know, having conversations and yes, just in general, educate yourself and educate other people. But at the same time, you don't want to like go overboard. Um, you always want to have very um, civil um, conversations and, and, and all that and discussions and whatnot. Um, in regards to music though, uh, it's, I... I think it's awesome that we're playing a drive-in show. Um, the clubhouse from Tom's River um, did test drive this with one of our friends' bands, just to make sure if it could even be done. And you know, they did. They handled all the production, and it was a success. It actually made the the local news and all that stuff. Um, I didn't even know it was possible to do. E- I I didn't even know what a drive-in show would look like until I actually saw it, and that's that's completely new to me. And it's, it, it, it came up from, you know, obviously this pandemic and, and quarantine and whatnot. But even though um, there might be a lot of, you know, negative stuff going on in the world, world right now, um, I think we're all learning um, uh, not from our, just ourselves, but from each other. And, you know, the possibilities are really endless at this point. Like, I didn't know a drive-in show. I didn't know music could really still kind of exist. But, you know, live streaming has been awesome. People have been doing the fundraising for live concerts at their homes from, you know, bigger artists. Um, there's really a lot of room to like, you know, push the boundaries of like the music industry and other, you know, other industries just in general. Um, but yeah, that's something I'm super excited about and feeling positive about that. This stuff is still, while, you know, we still got to keep everything safe and, and not over the top, but this stuff could still exist and yeah. we can still do uh, really, really, really cool stuff. For sure. Yeah. It'll be definitely interesting to see, you know, once things get, you know, more back to normal, how it affects the the industry in the long run too, for sure. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, was there anything that you've really been wanting to get out about the album that we haven't hit on? Um, Yeah, I guess uh, real cool. We could talk about the vinyl, um, the vinyl for shapes I've ever seen. We, um, we will be, you know, putting a more, um, uh, more direct uh, announcement about that it is coming obviously I, I, i'm sure most people would know it's it, it's been delayed because of uh covid and whatnot uh, but that's something to look forward to uh we really dug the um the artwork and you know nick did again like a fantastic job on all the artwork and just the the insert um the inner circle label like everything that we did for a sleeve a jacket for the um lp and it looks sick the color schemes looks uh, very rad so it's coming and for all those who pre-ordered it um we'll be getting it uh soon enough and yeah i don't know if you haven't had one pick one up <laughs> support us that conversation was just about as wholesome as the name have a good season wasn't it i feel like this is an album that a lot of listeners could really connect to so please go ahead and check it out if it hasn't crossed your path already and the sweet color combos of the vinyl wasn't just a sales pitch they look beautiful Remember to check in on Friday for some big news about the future of Fly in the Call. Ooh, exciting. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork. 
You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyOnTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyOnTheCallPod at gmail.com. Black lives still matter. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.